Hello, it's 3rd of February 2019 and this is episode 90 of Scavenger's Horde, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kirsty. We're here to deliver a regular rundown of Star's news, analysis and commentary, with a focus on the sequel trilogy and the future of the saga. How has your week been, Rachel? My week overall has been very pleasant, thank you. Um, in terms of Star Wars, it's mostly been about the stages of grief in accepting that there will be no Star Wars trailer at the Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> I, like today, I'm completely adjusted to the fact that we are not getting any new footage, so it's fine. It's fine. I'm very serene. Like the next real milestone is the Bob Iger like earning school, whatever the thing he does to shareholders, basically, which I think is on Tuesday, because historically they announce big things in those calls. So like at the last one, they announced the Cassian Andor series, for example. So there's potential that we'll get something significant news-wise out of that, but time will tell. Um, yeah, and just beyond Star Wars, it's been a nice, pleasant week with friends and just doing fun stuff. So that's good. How about you, Kirsty? Um, yeah, Star Wars week-wise, it's been pretty similar to yours. Um, mostly just reacting to the news that we'll we'll cover in this episode, obviously, with all the book announcements and everything. Yes. Um, reading a lot of fanfic. <laughs> Excellent. That's a very good way of spending time. <laughs> yeah, I'd kind of got out of that habit for a few months, but um, a few new stories have like pulled me back in. Oh, nice. So I'll have to recommend a few to you because I think you would enjoy them. Oh, yeah, definitely. Please. We should absolutely do that in an after show thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'd welcome that. Awesome. But yeah, like, I mean, with the Super Bowl, I know it's like the rumor every year, and it's funny because it did actually happen last year for Solo, yeah. but obviously that was a different time frame Mm. and in hindsight i don't know if the solo marketing can be looked back on in terms of people feeling like it did a fantastic job yeah so you know i mean at the end of the day i don't think that episode nine needs the super bowl no so absolutely and the thing is that the super bowl they'll be dropping like a few high profile trailers and the last thing they want to do is release this new Stars trailer along with this bunch of other high-profile movie trailers and risk having some of the attention taken away from the Star Wars one. So obviously the Stars one would always be the headline news, but it would somewhat be a diminished impact. Whereas if Disney just choose a day when that Stars trailer is the only thing of note that's coming out, then that will get all the attention and there will be no distractions. So mm. wouldn't it be funny now? <laughs> If we put this episode out on Monday or Tuesday after the Super Bowl and there is something episode 9 released. Oh God. I think I would need to heavily edit this introduction. <laughs> Forget everything we said. <laughs> exactly. I wonder why there wasn't a, like, how was your week to be section in the episode. Oh, that's why. Um, yeah, no, that's the joys of editing. I can cover our tracks when necessary. Oh. Um <laughs> But yeah, so today we're not going to have a spotlight. We're really just going to focus on news and the latest episode of Resistance. Um, just have a nice, quick refresher show, essentially. We will return to the spotlights in due course, of course. But for now, the first news item we want to discuss is that Anthony Daniels and BB-8's puppeteer have both reported that they have rapped on episode 9. Would you care to read out their tweets, Kirsty? Sure, so this is Anthony Daniels on January 28th. Today was 3PO's last on episode 9. He's sad, so am I. 
but we're so proud to have worked with such a lovely, talented cast and crew led by JJ and Kathy. I'll miss everyone, but I'm glad to know that we've been making something exceptional together to share with the waiting world. And then this is Brian Herrings from February 1st. Today was a wrap on BB-8. The last five years have been an amazing ride. Thanks to JJ Abrams, Kathleen, Neil, hashtag team BB-8, especially Dave and the entire cast and crew for the time of my life. Few people get to live the dream. Thank you. Aww. It's so sweet. There's such lovely messages in both cases. Um, it's crazy to me. So the thing that most struck me was um, Brian Herring pointing out that it's been five years. That's mm-hmm. bonkers. It made me realise what a span of time it's covered. So it doesn't feel that long like in the moment. But when you step back and reflect on it, it's like, wow, yeah, these movies started a while yeah. ago now. And it's three movies that they've condensed into that time as well, which is quite remarkable. Yes. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame them for being emotional about it, because it is like the end of an era. I mean, I don't for a minute believe that this is the last time we see C-3PO, to be honest. No, absolutely not. Um, You know, I I don't know if Anthony Daniels wants to kind of hand over the reins to someone else, or if he's content to keep going, Mm. but... In the past, I've always got the impression that Anthony Daniels is more than happy to be (laughs) C-3PO. So, yeah, I don't see him going away from the part, not permanently, because I think there will always be little extra things that call for his participation, like even if it's just like voices and video games and things like that. So I think we'll definitely see more C-3PO. But mm-hmm. yeah, like this is obviously it for the sequel trilogy in 3PO. So that's quite a big milestone. Um, In terms of yeah. other people and where they are right now, you know, filming is still continuing. I've heard rumours are slightly fuzzy like indicating that they're perhaps going on until the middle slash the end of February so it's a long long shoot I think it's been filming now for longer than either The Force Awakens or The Last Jedi and then I think it was Brian Herring's tweet that John Boyega quote tweeted and said that he was still filming yeah exactly so we know at least John is still working yeah so I, it would be nice if he just casually slipped in who he was filming with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would be helpful. But yeah. Um, but I'm guessing it's still, you know, that main cast of the younger characters that we have. Yeah. Um, and I I know that Donald Gleason has been spotted filming the sequel to the Peter Rabbit movie. Yeah, the legendary Peter Rabbit Byrne. movie. <laughs> I really enjoyed that no, movie. I really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm not being ironic. I genuinely thought it was a great movie. Like, I'm a grown-ass adult, and I was sat in that theatre laughing my ass off. It was brilliant. Like, genuinely, like, in a nice heartwarming way that made me feel like affection for the film. So it's basically like seeing General Hux's troubles with rabbits, and, like, General Hux basically gets redeemed by love at the end. He's amazing with the slapstick. Oh, he is really amazing. Like, Donald Gleeson is a great physical performer. But yeah, I think it's safe to say he's been done with episode nine for a while at this point. So we haven't seen anything about him in relation to that for quite some time. I did see someone notice that it was the Directors Guild of America Awards, either yesterday or a few days ago. And Adam Driver was the only member of the main cast of Black Klansman who wasn't there, which might Mm. indicate that he's still filming as well. Because there is a really cute little video of Adam at the Sundance Film Festival where an intrepid reporter is trying to catch him off guard and basically saying, well, now that Star Wars Episode Nine has wrapped, can you reflect on your experience of working on the films? And Adam just does not have any of it. And he reacts with an enigmatic expression when the reporter suggests (laughs) that Episode Nine has wrapped. 
but my personal he's like oh it has yeah oh oh i didn't know that yeah exactly and my read of that reaction is he knows full well that it is absolutely not wrapped and he is actually needed for some more work before it wraps so that's why it's especially lousy for him but yeah it's interpretation but i think it's educated guessing essentially Mm mm-hmm yeah and god knows where daisy is literally nothing's been seen of her for like every year it's pretty bonkers yeah i'm impressed i know she doesn't have social media anymore but i really thought someone would like snap a pic of her somewhere yeah there's been nothing no she's very very good at keeping on the down low so like good for her really because i know she values her privacy so much so it's good that she's been able to maintain that Mm -hmm. um Right, yeah, so it's crazy to think about filming, like, getting into the end game, if you will, um, for episode 9. But, yeah, like, we're hopefully coming up on a wrap date soon, because if it's going to follow precedent, then when we get wrap on filming, that's likely to be when we get the title announcement. I wouldn't bet on it, because there's always a chance that they hold off until celebration for everything, including the title, which would cause me unimaginable anguish, but I'd just have to deal oh, with it. Oh, Yeah, no. Like, I, I'm being hyperbolic, of course. I wouldn't actually be in anguish about it, but it would just be like, oh, come on! Um, right. And then the main news, really, for this week is that there was an announcement on stars.com about a whole range of Galaxy's Edge books that are going to be coming out to tie in with the new theme park of the same name. Uh, so, yeah, there's a whole series of projects to go through basically so my suggestion and this news was dragged out a bit more than it needed to be wasn't it because there was apparently there were some issues with the star wars show this week so i think people were thinking that it was going to be announced then so you had like the authors of these books cryptically tweeting with gifts like oh something's coming i'm really excited Mm. And then there were technical difficulties so they were like oh well you'll have to wait till tomorrow people were like can you just tell us what it is <laughs> oh my god yeah no it was so ridiculous i literally saw people working themselves up to this like fever pitch of anticipation because on reddit people had convinced themselves that the star wars show was going to reveal something episode 9 related i don't know why because why would delilah dawson be involved with that? i know i know i think it's silly but like it really got to conspiracy theory levels because i i literally saw a post on the star wars leak subreddit that was someone saying, J.J. Oh, Abrams has removed his Twitter header. That means the title is imminent. Oh, my God. Pe- oh people were literally, like, buying into it. Don't do it to yourselves, people. I know. It's, like, not worth it. I just looked at it and I was like, oh, please don't. Don't prepare yourself so hard for pain. <laughs> it was very bad. Um, but, yeah, this is the actual news that we got. And it was about this series of publications for Galaxy's Edge. And it's interesting in its own right. Might not be what people wanted to hear. Because obviously everyone is just ravenous for episode 9 stuff at this point. But I think all these books sound cool. And certainly I want to know more about them. So yeah, how about we go through them one by one. And then just have a quick discussion about what we get out of them. So yeah, would you like to read about the first one, Kirsty? Sure, so this is a Marvel Star Wars Galaxy's Edge miniseries, written by Ethan Sachs, art by Will Sliney, issue number one, available April 24th, 2019. Black Spire Outpost has long been frequented by smugglers, merchants, and travellers from every corner of the galaxy looking to make their score on the infamous black market, or experience the exotic thrills the remote world of Batuu alone has to offer. 
Aliens like the infamous Doc Ondar, a proprietor of rare and one-of-a-kind antiquities, thrive on the unique opportunities which abound on the lawless outposts at the very edge of wild space in this all-new miniseries from Marvel writer Ethan Sachs, Old Man Hawkeye, and artist Will Sliney, Solo, A Star Wars Story. Yeah. So, this sounds like it's mostly just going to be general world-building, I guess, for Batu, mm-hmm. and just giving you a bit of a flavour for it and the sort of atmosphere that would be involved with the park which i think is pretty cool yeah um yeah i'm interested to see how these little details will fit in with the experience i don't think either of us will have a chance to go to galaxy's edge at least anytime soon (laughs) yes definitely not but i'm sure we'll hear all about it from people who are able to yeah so it will be kind of cool to see how integrated they've made these things yeah um, I saw, I read the piece on StarWars.com when they announced it, and I thought this phrase was really funny. They said something like, um, "These books are a prequel to the theme park experience," <laughs> yes. which is a new one for me, and I couldn't help but roll my eyes at that. Yes, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, there's no beating around the bush. This is all marketing for the theme park. Yes, exactly. But the idea of something being a prequel to a theme park. <laughs> that's new for me i think we've reached true late stage capitalism at this point for this well, week. i mean and you know we make you know we're, we are not under the illusion that star wars is anything but a franchise oh of course yeah ultimately geared towards making money and it always has been really. yeah and then it was at the forefront of you know that merchandising for kids integration <laughs> that has made George Lucas into such a billionaire. Yeah. No, no, like Star Wars like originated all of that stuff basically. And it's highly highly commercial. But yeah, all this stuff does very much exemplify that. Um right. And then the next thing to talk about and the one I'm probably most excited for of all these publications is Black Spire, which is going to be published by Del Rey. It's written by Delilah Dawson. And it's going to be available September 3rd, 2019. And the synopsis. In this novel, a prequel to the Disney Parks experience, General Leia Organa (laughs) dispatches her top spy to Batu in a separate search for resistance allies. I know what you were laughing at. Well, all all jokes aside, I'm really excited for this one. Because remember in our discussion last week on Women of the Galaxy? Mm -hmm. Okay, I said that I would really, really, really like to see more V. Maradi Mm -hmm. um, from the Phasma novel in canon. And it's pretty much confirmed that this is who the spy is going to be because in her her entry in Women of the Galaxy, um, it says that she gets dispatched by Leia to Batuu. Mm -hmm. That's her next adventure. So we had a hint of what she was going to do next. And Delilah Dawson quote tweeted someone talking about that and was like, hey, yeah, you, you, you guys spotted this. Well done. Yeah. Um, so I am really looking forward to this yeah. one. Yeah, so the Star Wars gods answered our prayers, basically. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's very well-timed. <laughs> yeah, no, like, so this sounds really great. So I really enjoyed Phasma, especially all the stuff with V and Cardinal. So I'm really excited to, yeah, see at least V revisited. And hopefully Cardinal as well, because I feel like... He- we at least need to get hints about what's happened to him, even if he's not like a main character in the narrative of the novel, if that makes sense. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Or he could be pointedly left out because maybe he has his own separate story at some point. Or or maybe she's hidden him away on Batu, like in a little love nest. (laughs) (laughs) He's a kept man. Oh, (laughs) 
Sorry, that took a very weird spin. Um, but yeah, there's not much there at the moment, but it sounds like a great project and I'm very intrigued. Um, right, and then the next one is A Crash of Fate by Disney Lucasfilm Press. And it's written by Zoraida Cordova and is going to be available on 6th of August 2019. And the synopsis. In this young adult novel, Izzy and Jules were best friends until Izzy's family abruptly left Batu when she was six. Now she's back, and Jules, the boy who never left, is unsure what to make of her. While on the run from vengeful smugglers and an angry pirate, the two friends will come to terms with who they are and what they mean to each other. So yeah, I've seen this described as like a young adult romance story in Star Yay! Wars. Yeah, no, which is cool. It really does seem to be like riffing off the success of Lost Stars. I'm sure it's very much its own story. But I think they saw how well that story went down. And they were like, yeah, we can definitely do more young adult romance in Star Wars, which I'm fully in support of. So, yeah, like, again, I need to know more about the premise and these characters and stuff to get engaged in this. Oh, I don't. <laughs> That's enough for me. Did you not know it was young adult romance? Uh, I had vague ideas about it. Like, I thought that maybe that's what they were going to go for, but I hadn't read this, the end of this description, like, what they mean to each other. It's like, okay. Ah, uh, okay. Well. So now you do need to read it. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. No. So I definitely think it's going to be part of that Lost Stars vibe, which I think we can certainly look forward to. I'm a simple woman with simple needs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like the answer in me. Can you remember ages ago when Star Wars Newsnet had that report on potential projects that were coming up yes. in the pipeline? There was going to be like a Lost Stars style movie. Like not actually Lost Stars, but like a star-crossed romance. Yes. I was like, uh, yes, please. And the way it was written was really disparaging and like, oh, mm. yeah, this probably isn't for the people who are actually Star Wars fans. I was like, excuse me. Yeah. Lost Stars is canon. There are lots of star-crossed romances in Star Wars canon. Yeah. It's like, please leave the editorialising behind. <laughs> Some people get Judgment. really hyped for this, okay? <laughs> and that's fine. Mm. Um, yeah, no, so good on them for, for exploring this avenue even more. Right, and then would you like to read out about the final book, Kirsty? And then finally we have Star Wars Myths and Fables, written by George Mann, illustrations by Grant Griffin, available August 6th. In this middle grade novel, hear the thrilling space tales, fables and myths that are told in a galaxy far, far away. The book features two stories that take place on the remote outer rim, world of Batu, plus many other untold tales from the edge of the galaxy, lushly illustrated in a style that pays homage to real world children's classics. And the cover art for this is gorgeous. Oh god, it really is. It reminded me of like some of the Alan Lee illustrations for the Lord of the Rings books, if you've ever mm. seen any of those, it just was this amazing yeah. high fantasy vibe. And um, wasn't it someone with like a lightsaber and then this like enormous like dragon, like in front yes, of them? Yes, dragons. Yeah, it's so cool. Space dragons is what I never knew I needed, but yeah, it looks amazing, and I love gorgeously illustrated books. So I think after the black spire book so the one that will likely feature the return of v i definitely want to read this one the most yeah i i can't wait for this it sounds like another riff on the whole legends of luke skywalker thing where they kind of have their cake and eat it too with canon yeah. because it's not really canon in the it's not i mean the whole of star wars they kind of get their 
their way around it by like, oh, well, it's all legends told from a galaxy far, far away. You know, it's all fairy tale. Yeah. But with this stuff, they can really let loose because it's like a myth told within universe. Yeah. So. Exactly. I guess it's a little bit like tales from Beetle the Bard, kind of from Harry Potter. Yeah. It's just these exactly. in-universe stories, which is an angle I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And then, basically at the same time as this announcement of all the Galaxy's Edge tie-in stuff, um, Delilah S. Dawson also tweeted out that she had another exciting project coming along. And this one is called The Skywalker Saga. And essentially everything we know about this came to us in tweets. So would you care to read out the tweets that Delilah posted about this project, Kirsty? Sure. The Skywalker Saga is going to be the most exquisitely bound Star Wars storybook you can imagine. With gorgeous art by Brian Rood and words by me, retelling episodes 1 through 8 through the eyes of the Skywalkers themselves, we're talking space fairy tale style. Writing this book was a revelation for me as a lifelong Star Wars fan. Watching the movies in order, closely and critically, on repeat, and seeing the themes, choices, words and destinies of Anakin, Luke, Leia, Ben and Rey ripple down. Y'all, I cried. A lot. My darlings, there are no spoilers here. I watched the same movies you did. I don't have secret information. Inheritance doesn't have to rely on blood. Ben Solo is a product of his mother, his mentor, his grandfather. Ray is called by Luke Saber. That's enough for me. I think that last one was in response to people replying to her second one, thinking that because she mentioned Ray in terms of the Skywalkers, it was somehow a spoiler that Ray was going to be revealed as a Skywalker in episode nine. Yeah, no, that's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah. Like, that's what the context for that tweet was. I think I just wanted to include that at the outset of our discussion, just so that there was no ambiguity about what was being stated with that list of names. I mean... <laughs> like, look, people know where we stand on this. We absolutely think there's no chance of Ray being a lost Skywalker at this point. But Not by blood. Yeah, not by blood. Um, but for some other people, seeing this, it did like feed into those hopes which is fair enough and everyone has their own theories and takes on these things um but yeah i think delilah just wanted to draw a line in the sand very early and very quickly to say look please don't read too much into this because yeah i think if anything this project strikes me as a way of trying to create cohesion between these three different eras of star wars so the prequels the originals and the sequels and essentially trying to weave them together as a continuous narrative and trying to show like the link- linkages between the different characters and the, and the different eras. And yeah, as they're these two pivotal characters from the sequel trilogy, Ray and Ben, you need to work both of them into the fabric of that story because if Ray isn't a key part of that story, then is like but she's our lead so she needs to be key to this story so yeah and i think that had she had more character space she would have also mentioned characters like han and padme yes um but ray is as you say the protagonist of the current trilogy so absolutely she connects to the skywalker saga yeah like that's that's how it's working yeah you can't mention anakin and luke and not mention ray basically it would just be too strange Mm mm-hmm so yeah, I'm very intrigued for this. Basically, anything that talks about Star Wars as a space fairy tale has big thumbs up from me <laughs> immediately. So I love that vibe. And 
I really hope that they play into that in a huge way. It's like, please let it just be like, once upon a time. Mm -hmm. I know that might be a bit corny, but I want that. I mean, that's what they do at the beginning of the movies. Yeah. You know, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. That's the same thing. That's true. Um, I am really intrigued by this. And I know this is just how it works with like the book coming out before episode nine. So can only encompass one through eight. But for that reason, I'm always going to feel like it's a little incomplete. Yeah. Um, and she's already saying, I don't have secret information. Yeah. So it's not like it's going to play into any spoilers for Nine, obviously. Yes. But it's also like, oh, couldn't we get this afterwards instead? I mean, I'm sure we will get plenty of other things afterwards too. But Yeah, exactly. I think it all is probably going to be a situation where the book is like reissued after episode nine comes out with the end of the story added on or something like that so of course in that way it's like a cynical money-making thing but at the same time i think it makes complete sense as a piece of marketing before the film comes out because you just know at this stage that a big aspect of the marketing for episode nine will be watch the final step of the skywalker saga you know so in terms of prepping people for that and hyping them they are probably going to want to really embed in people's minds what the Skywalker saga is and things like this book will help with that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So yeah and I especially really liked Delilah's tweet about revisiting the movies and how that really brought things into focus for her and it actually gave me a bit more fuel to sit down and do what I've been saying I want to do for ages which is sit down and rewatch all the movies in order especially the prequels because it's been quite a few years now since I saw them so I really want to see them all in a continuous stream and just see how they play into each other I think I'm going to try and do it before celebration actually because then I'll be in like peak Star Wars mode for celebration <laughs> so cool. yeah we need to discuss that separately but that should be fun mm-hmm yeah, I think I watched all of them throughout 2018 at some point. Nice. But I'm always down to revisit them. Awesome. No, that'd be great. And yeah, anyone who calls Kylo Ben is always a hero of mine. <laughs> so. It's an easy way to rile people up on the internet. It is, yeah. And it's an easy way to my heart. <laughs> Weak. <laughs> um, right. And then the final news item we're going to discuss is that a synopsis has been released for Claudia Gray's Master and Apprentice, which is her book about Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. Um, are you able to read this synopsis out, Kirsty? Yeah. Uh, warnings to people, it's quite long, but we'll get through it. <laughs> yeah, we'll do this together, guys. An unexpected offer threatens the bond between Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi as the two Jedi navigate a dangerous new planet and an uncertain future. A Jedi must be a fearless warrior, a guardian of justice, and a scholar in the ways of the Force. But perhaps a Jedi's most essential duty is to pass on what they have learned. Master Yoda trained Dooku. Dooku trained Qui-Gon Jinn. And now Qui-Gon has a Padawan of his own. But while Qui-Gon has faced all manners of threats and danger as a Jedi, nothing has ever scared him like the thought of failing his apprentice. Obi-Wan Kenobi has deep respect for his master, but struggles to understand him. Why must Qui-Gon so often disregard the laws that bind the Jedi? Why is Qui-Gon drawn to ancient Jedi prophecies instead of more practical concerns? And why wasn't Obi-Wan told that Qui-Gon is considering an invitation to join the Jedi Council, knowing it would mean the end of their partnership? This simple answer scares him. Obi-Wan has failed his master. When Jedi Rail Avaros, another former student of Dooku, requests their assistance with a political dispute, 
Jin and Kenobi travel to the royal court of Pajal for what may be their final mission together. What should be a simple assignment quickly becomes clouded by deceit and by visions of violent disaster that take hold in Qui-Gon's mind. As Qui-Gon's faith in prophecy grows, Obi-Wan's faith in him is tested, just as a threat surfaces that will demand that Master and Apprentice come together as never before or be divided forever. That is such an epic synopsis. (laughs) Seriously, that's a lot of angst. It really is. And it just screams prime Claudia Gray material to me. Because there's so much like emotional stuff going on just in this like brief summary of what the book will involve. And mm-hmm. yeah, I just find it all fascinating. And I especially love like that relationship between Master and Apprentice because we've seen at least one of those relationships in every single trilogy. Usually more, to be honest. And it's so interesting because you see these repeated themes in each one. Because you see that tension and that mistrust in pretty much all of them you see that with obi-wan and anakin you see that with luke and yoda and you see that with ben and luke and also with ray and luke in the sequel trilogy and of course they're all different situations but i think exploring that bond and the unique challenges that come with it i think there's all sorts of ripe potential for drama in that absolutely and i think this is gonna cast episode one into new lights as well yeah you're gonna get more of a background of how that relationship has developed yeah no definitely um because we see Qui-Gon basically at the end of his life in The Phantom Menace and he's quite resolute and firm in his beliefs whereas it seems like in this story which is obviously a prequel to what goes on in the film we're gonna see that the development of that conviction in Qui-Gon which I find so interesting is like, what does he see that makes him so convinced about this prophecy? And what exactly does he think the prophecy entails? Because, yeah. Yeah. And the the idea of both of them feeling like they failed the other. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Poor babies. I've also had this thing where my ears pricked up a bit when the royal court is mentioned. Because that did make me think, hmm, are they going to work in Satine here? at all you know because there's potential for her to be involved in that sort of setting obviously i know it's not the royal court of mandalore or anything like that but royals be royals they go around different royal courts they schmooze and network and stuff so who knows we might see young puppy love there as well yeah i mean would the idea be that they haven't met at this point i think it must be I think they were meant to be very young when they met for the first time, from based on my limited knowledge. So, Claudia Gray is so wonderful at writing romance that it would be a shame if there was absolutely no hint of it. Yes. But it's hard with Jedi like this. <laughs> right. Okay. So I think we've probably covered all the book news because, yeah, 80% of this show is book news today, just because that's what happened. <laughs> Um, so we can move on to talk about the latest episode of Star Wars Resistance, which we have seen, and that episode is The Dozer Dilemma. And I really loved this episode, and this episode to me felt like a real return to form, because I've enjoyed the previous two episodes, but they were very much like light caper episodes, and they didn't seem to be like moving the wider plot along too much. 
So yeah, I really liked this one because I felt like important stuff was happening and there was some really nice character development. What were your thoughts on it overall, Kirsty? It's one of my favourite episodes of Resistance. Um, I thought it did a wonderful job. And it, yeah, like you say, it really got the ball rolling with all of these wider implications of what the First Order is up to. Yeah. Super crafty. Um, and the Sonara and Kaz stuff. Like, we were talking last week about, oh, it really seems like they've dragged this out longer than we expected. But, of course, this episode was just around the corner. Yes. And it's it's unexpectedly nuanced, mm. to be honest, how they're playing it. There's all this sort of stuff that's left unsaid and... I think it's really going to challenge and develop Kaz. Yeah. Um, and I think Sonara is such a fantastic character. Yeah, I really think that Sonara is my favourite character. I, I don't even think it's a contest at this point. She's easily my favourite. And I think it is just because of that complexity. Because she was obviously sent there on a mission for the bad guys. But you can see that she as a person isn't half bad. And she actually develops real bonds and relationships with these people. And she doesn't want to see them hurt. And so for like the second half of this episode, she's basically all about looking out for the people that, according to her status as pirate, she should be out to harm them and hurt them. But no, because she values the friendships and the personal relationships more, she's actually double-crossing her own side. So there's so many like crossing of sides and blurring of lines and... I love that. Star Wars is Star Wars is at its most fascinating when it's doing that kind of thing for me. Yeah. And you really felt for her. Like she didn't want any of this stuff to happen to Tora. Um and it reminded me of that exchange between her and Tam a few episodes ago when she was like, you know, it's okay for us to want more than what we were promised in, in terms of our past circumstances and how we were raised and things like that and you get the sense that Sonara's had a really hard life yes and not not made these decisions because she's particularly wanted to yeah but she's had to survive um yeah no I very much got that vibe yeah and this the relationship between her and Kaz is super great because we were talking last week again like that he was being a bit flirty and then that obviously was developed in um, this week's episode again like even more explicitly like yeah he has a crush on her yeah and how is that going to be affected by what he's learning about her yeah so i actually really appreciated the nuanced response from him as well like at the end when he has that final conversation and he realizes that she's lying and at that point he's like oh crap she's in league with them isn't she and i appreciated that this is not like he's instantly oh she's a traitor i hate her Ah. yes you could easily in that sort of program expect a far more unsubtle response from kaz along the lines of oh she's a traitor i hate her i need to go and report her to dozer right now but it's way more complex like than that and is all these different factors feeding into it because it's like sure he knows that she's been doing bad shit but at the same time, he still values her as a person and cares about her. So it's a tricky decision that he needs to make in terms of how to approach that. So I'm very curious for the next episode to see what happens next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I do think it's hilarious how brazenly awful the First Order are being. Like, oh, we'll have the pirates kidnap Tora, and then we'll be the heroes <laughs> who swoop in and rescue her. It's like, this is... 
kind of clear what you're doing. I don't know if Kaz was definitely like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> the first order are rescuing her and bringing her back. What is going on? Yeah, they're not masters of subtlety, are they? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like at the same time, I do have a certain level of admiration because they know how to hit Dozer where it hurts, basically. Because they clearly really, really, really want to be on that station. It's very important mm-hmm. to them. So I guess they're all about those little victories, essentially. <laughs> yeah, it was just funny that they did all this stuff in front of Tora, like coming down and the the pirate, like, you know, like the Davy Jones character. <laughs> 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 like, oh, we, we have her. And then Major Von Rigg being like, well, <laughs> like, you're not getting your money and we're taking her and they said all this in front of Tara like okay so doesn't she know what you're up to now yeah she was obviously confused by it all yeah no Tara was very much like oh thanks (laughs) she's like what the hell is this (laughs) yeah no so that was quite funny um although I was slightly disturbed by the scene where Tora is kidnapped by the pirates because you see um Buggles staring down the pirates going and then you don't hear Buggles again it's like what happened to Buggles so I'm sure he's fine they're not going to kill off Buggles (laughs) can you think about how dark that would be that would be like kill the dog (laughs) (laughs) they wouldn't go there but yeah no I would like to think they wouldn't (laughs) they're not monsters (laughs) well definitely not Tora oh my god you're going no I said poor Tora (laughs) They're not going to kill Tor. Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry, we're turning like resistance into Game of Thrones, aren't we? <laughs> well, I am because I'm clearly the one with the like murderous inclinations towards these poor characters. Um, but yeah, no, it is a really great episode and yeah, in the latest shipping news, like in terms of actual ships is in the ones that fly through the air. The Command Shuttle is definitely my favourite ship in Star Wars now. I know that's a controversial opinion, because I know I should probably be saying like one of the original trilogy ship designs, but I don't care. Ooh, the Command Shuttle is just too sexy. I'm sorry. It's great. Yeah, yeah. it's a great design. It is really wonderful. It's like whenever I see that scene of Kylo's Command Shuttle just landing in the forest in Takadana, I'm like, oh yes, it's very good. Oh yeah, it's it's an amazing open to the Force Awakens as well when it lands on Jakku and he comes out. Yeah, like yes, like, so <laughs> badass. It's really great. Um, yeah, and in terms of the romantic ships, yeah, I'm totally on board with Kaz and Sonora now. I want them to I be together. I am glad because last week I was a bit like, oh, I like the flirting. <laughs> so you glad to see it followed through basically and become a bigger thing. Yeah, I really liked their interactions and I'm glad that you... Well, I mean, I know that at first it was like played up for kind of laughs that Kaz was flirting with her, but now it's like, oh, he actually really does like her yeah. and this is happening. Like, that's intense. It's like intentional that they've built that up. Yeah, it's been given like so, real emotional gravity, which I think we can both yeah. appreciate. I do think that's emerging as the the, the angsty ship. So it was also a relief to me, and I hate to say this, but like I was slightly concerned because there were a few episodes where it was just like Kaz and Tora just like hanging out and obviously guys and girls can just be friends okay especially when the girl is like a young teenager like Tora okay so I'm not saying anything but I was like "Mm." like I'd like to see Kaz spend more time with someone who's more age appropriate so 
I'm glad that Sonara is now that person. Do we actually know how old Sonara is? I certainly don't know how old she is, but she certainly looks significantly older than Tora to me. I think she's clearly mm. an adult. But I mean, I just hear from other people how how old they are, and presumably they get that from things like the databank. But I've never read anything like a primary source that's been like, yes, the characters are categorically these ages. Yes. So. You know, I'm just kind of going on the dynamics that the show presents, and I think it's pretty clear that Tora and Kaz are meant to be friends. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Right, do we have any closing words to say on that episode of Resistance? Just that, again, like I seem to say every week, it means that I'm really looking forward to the next episode, because I think things are really starting to roll now, and obviously we'll kind of get an undulating, like, you know, just as we had before, some more light-hearted, kind of narrow, closed-off episodes to... and, and I love those just as much because they develop the characters. Like, I love Niku's development with Bebo. Yes. Um, but, yeah, it's good to have the variety. But all of the stuff that played into that trailer for the second half of the season was so exciting. Nice. So, can't wait to get to all that. Yeah, no, definitely. We're really getting to the high-octane drama, I think, at this point. And, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the First Order presence on the Colossus pans out. Because I don't think they're going to be get, getting rid of those stormtroopers anytime soon, to be honest. Oh, no. I think that's probably almost like a a permanent thing now. Because if the First Order, by the time the sequel trilogy events roll around, they're really sweeping out all over the galaxy. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be, oh, no, that they're there. Yeah. Like, they're occupying it. Exactly. So. The First Order aren't just going to give up that foothold. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Could, could get quite nasty. Exactly. It's going to be drama. Because <laughs> they're, they're not good guys. <laughs> no, they're very bad. And if you happen to be in league with them, you need to be a good boy and go home to your parents. Yeah. Yeah. Just anyone out there. Yeah, that's just completely random. It's uh, not meant to anyone in particular. Not feeling particularly great about their life decisions. Just consider yeah. uh, packing it in and going home and apologising. Yeah. You can come back. There's still time. No one ever has really gone. <laughs> it isn't too late. Yeah, exactly. See all these useful phrases that can help to build your confidence and open up different pathways for your future. So, yeah, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that career talk and that you find it inspiring. Um, right. On that note, I think it's probably a good time to close out the show. So I'm Rachel. You can find me on Tumblr at Star Wars Nonsense and on WordPress at Journal of the Star Wars. Where can people find you, Kirsty? I'm Bastila Bay on Tumblr and Scavengers Horde on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, bye! Bye!